This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Craig Coleman and the Fulham shadow, Emilio Donella. In this episode, we're going to look back at Fulham's 1-1 draw at Craven Cottage against Wolves. Emilio and Craig were both there, so I'm going to get their first-hand analysis of what they watched at Craven Cottage. As always, before we get going, please do subscribe on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. It does help other Fulham supporters find us. And I just want to thank everyone that watched the full-time show. That was just my initial reaction. This is going to be a more analysis-based show as we really look into this match. We're going to spend a lot more time delving into what happened at Craven Cottage. So, guys, let's not waste any time. First, Craig, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Russ. Thank you. Okay. Emilio, the form shadow returns. How are you doing? Yeah, the shadow with no shadow today, so it's uh, I'm not doing the show out of, outside of Craven Cottage tonight. But yeah, good to be back, be back with Craig as well tonight. And uh, yeah, there's a few talking points from yesterday's game. But yeah, another point on the board, still in European That's contention, right. not playing at our best. You know, That's right. can't can't complain. Okay, well, let's just start with opening thoughts from the match. Craig, I'll go to you first. Just. Give me your flavor of uh, what you watched at Craven Cottage. Russ, I think we were lucky to get the point. Wolves outplayed us. They outhustled us. They outpressed us. But uh, the Israeli superstar, Manor Solomon, saved the day for us uh, with a magnificent goal. Um, So I'm happy with the result, less happy with the performance. I'm not happy with the performance either, Craig. And I actually said right after the match ended, especially the first half, I said that Fulmer outplayed by a country mile. I think I'm being generous by saying only a mile because I think it was really just a one-sided affair and Fulmer, I think, were fortunate to only be down a goal. Yeah, uh, Wolves outplayed us pretty comprehensively. 
Um, we seemed to struggle to break their press. Uh, we couldn't hold the ball up when we hit it long. Uh, and they were fairly comfortable on the ball uh, throughout much of the match. Um, and it's hard to say that they shouldn't have come away with three points. Okay, excellent. Mr. Danella, over to you. And um, again, coming off the match, right after the match, going on to do the show, my first thought, I focused a, a good amount in a very short period of time talking about that first half. But I want to delve into what Craig said because this was not a good performance. However, and we've had a few performances that haven't been that great. But as you said, it's a point. And right after the match, I watched NBC Sports Emilio and Robbie Earl was on. And he said two seasons ago, there's no way Fulham get anything from this match. They lose this match. So that shows the growth. But what are your thoughts about all this? You know, I, I agree. First half, we, we were slow, sluggish. Um, I thought we were, we were pushed back. We were pegged back the whole time. We didn't, there was no width from Tete or Robinson. I thought, you know, then that was the first thing that was missing. William was starved of any service. You know, again, we, we looked at him to get the ball early and start to make things happen. But he was starved of any service. To be honest with you, I, I don't know why Silver didn't take Harrison Reed off within 10 minutes. He was injury, caught an injury. Yep. He should have been taken off immediately. We, so we were one person down in, in the midfield <laughs> because of someone carrying an injury till half time. You know, we then got uh, Paulinho picks up a yellow card. We'll talk so about basically that. that midfield, there was no midfield basically in that first half because of an injury and and a, and, a, and basically you know not trying to avoid getting a second yellow and getting a red card. But notwithstanding that, I thought Paulinho was actually the one who actually showed any fight and aggression, even with a yellow card in his back yep. pocket already. So aside from that, it was a it was a dive first. We should have been a goal down before they scored. A few minutes before that, they should, there was a straightforward chance straight at the keeper. That was a poor, poor finish. But to be honest with you, I'm disappointed we didn't win the game. You know, we always we always snatched it at the end. So let's That's right. I think I think over the 90 minutes, a point was fair. To be honest with you, okay. I thought we, we wanted it more second half when we got that goal. We we were the more, most likely team to score. And to be honest, with a bit more energy, I thought with a bit more pace, a bit more width, we could have come away with all three points then. And to be honest with you, I thought. You know that Vinicius is <laughs> he's not got many fans out there, but he 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 almost got he almost snatched a winner for us at the end. It was a great he save. Did. He Keep absolutely us. did. I thought, despite being a poor first half, I thought that a draw was a fair result on the balance of 90, 98 minutes, whatever it was. Okay, excellent. And I really want to get into guys why Wolves were able to do what they did at Craven Cottage. Over to you, Craig, because uh I find it interesting that Emilio talks about central midfield because I thought they bossed central midfield. Was it to do with the yellow card? Was it to do with the injury? Or was it just playing out Wolves were better and they were just dominating the play and we should just look at them more than focusing on what Fulham didn't do? But i also going to ask you this question. How much did Fulham miss Mitro in this match, Craig? Well, the question may also be how much did Fulham miss Mario Lamina in this match because I think oh. Mario Lamina wow. and Ruben Neves bossed the game in the midfield. Yes. Uh, and they were superb, especially Lamina. Um, um, really an outstanding performance uh, on their end. And we also had a great deal of difficulty 
breaking out from the press. I mean, when they pressed us, we couldn't pass out like we usually are able to. And of course, we didn't really have the outlet up front because Vinicius wasn't winning the balls in the air. So we were flustered and frustrated. And as Emilio rightly says, we were sluggish. It may have something to do with the fact that Paulinho had a yellow card. It may have to do with the fact that Harrison Reed uh, was injured in the 10th minute and maybe not playing uh, at full strength. Whatever the reasons were, um, we, we were we were definitely on the back foot. And when you can't break the press and you're always having to defend, you cede the initiative to, to Wolves. And, and, you know, the goal that came, it was, it was going to come. It was quite clear right. they were going to score. It was a matter of time. It's a good point. And Miller, as you said, you felt that they really could have scored earlier than that in a similar situation. So they yeah. basically recreated what they did minutes later to score the goal, but they could have scored a goal earlier. So what do you put this down to? You've already mentioned the injury and Paulinho. What about my thoughts on Mitro? How much of a miss was Mitro? Now, I'm going to share this with you. I was actually listening to a show a couple hours later, and former U.S. men's national team striker Eric Ronaldo watched the match, and he focuses on the striker. And he said he could not believe he was so frustrated by Vinicius because he said the guy's six reef tall, and he could not win any balls in the air. And that's what frustrated him because he thought that that you want to try to replicate Mitro as much as you can, but he just couldn't do it. However, he did have these opportunities to help him win the match. But he brought up Vinicius. Now, Vinicius is never going to be Mitro, but how much did they miss Mitro? I think we've missed Mitro the last two months, three months, to be honest with you. The fact that we've been unbeaten for a few games, that you know, how dominant have we been? Well, I think we've come off uh, the highs of the, the beautiful, elegant football. I think we've changed our football recently. I've just seen we're playing the ball a lot longer than rather than playing out of defence. So Wolves reminded me yesterday how we were three or four months ago. You know, confident in the ball in the back, playing side to side, keeping possession, nice one-touch movement. Wolves were doing that yesterday. And Fulham had yes. no... We were just second best. We were chasing shadows at time. Not chasing a Fulham shadow, but chasing shadows at times. <laughs> Um, I hasten to add, but it just felt like we we were passengers in that first half for, yeah. for the best part, and it just felt like roles reversed. You know, early the season it was Fulham, you know, keeping possession, 60 percent possession, you know, good football. We've we've had to change it and mix it up a bit now. Whether that's because we've had to adjust to a different style of football because the Wolves, I thought, were well set up, well organised. But if you were you had a you're independent, never seen it, either two teams played this season, you would have thought actually Wolves were Fulham just because they kept right. the ball nicely, carved out chances. That first chance they missed, they should have scored, but it was good movement, good passing, you know, better finishing, they would have been 1-0 up. But then they got their deserved goal a few minutes later. But Vinicius, you know, I've lost, you know, how many, how many headers did he win? How many balls did he win? How many how many free kicks did he win? So, yes, we, naturally we do miss Mitra because we, we weren't winning free kicks in those key positions. His hold-up play was abysmal. But, you know, maybe Vinicius will snatch a goal here and there. And that's he did that against Chelsea. And he right. got the head in the first half, I recall, as well. And maybe that great, it was a great head. It was an even better save at the end. So, you know, that's, we've been saying for three years, we need a backup striker. So it's no surprise if when Mitra gets injured, 
we're starved of reserves there and Vinicius is the best we've got. So, you know, who else do we put up there? It's no choice. It's uh, it's that or Bobby Reader. We saw how ineffective he was last weekend. So it's it's, it's take it or leave it, guys. It's Vinicius or Mitro when he's back from injury. But he's probably going to be out for a few weeks longer than people think. Well, it's funny. Like I said, I was listening to a show that was saying that they thought that Marco might consider putting Bobby Decadova Reed up front in the second half. Thankfully, he didn't do that. And I'm glad that he didn't do that because I didn't think it worked the first time. I don't think that they're against trying that again, but I'm glad that they didn't do it in this match. Craig, over to you. I want to go back and talk a little bit about Paulina because I want to get your reaction to when he got the yellow because my reaction, I'll just share, was they need to get something out of this match because he's going to be missing the next two matches. That was my gut reaction when he got the yellow. What, what were you thinking at Craven Cottage when Paulina got the yellow? Well, right after the tackle, I immediately thought he was going to get booked. It was a bookable offense. You can debate about the booking against Brighton where it was a clean tackle, although it was yes. up and aggressive. That was more debatable. This one, I think, quite clearly was the kind of foul that's always going to get you a booking. And, um, you know, people in the stands, I stand uh, in row QQ of of the Hammersmith end. We're talking about it, and we recognize that uh, he was going to miss the next two matches, and he was probably going to be a bit neutered for the rest of this match so as to avoid being sent off and putting us in an impossible situation. So um, it did deflate a lot of the crowd because Paulinha has been such an inspiration with his tackling uh, throughout the whole season, and he has been able to engage with the fans uh, because of his measured aggression on the pitch. That's very interesting you say that because I've read and I've heard criticism of Fulham's support. I'm talking about the supporters in this match. I want to go to you, Miller. Do you think what Craig is saying could have a factor here that the crowd, that the balloon went out of Craven Cottage when he got the yellow card, meaning that that the supporters thought, uh-oh, what are we going to do from here? And that they feed off of Paulina, Paulina feeds off the crowd. Yeah, that, I, to some extent, I agree with that. But if you actually look at subsequent to that yellow card to half time. The only person who showed any grit, fight, determined was Paulinia. Yeah. He was still getting tackles in. He was still winning. Oh, he didn't change his game, by the way. He didn't change you know, his so game. Again, he, he continued. So there was one moment, I think, it was, was it in the second half? Or was it, I can't remember when it was, but the referee just had a gentle word in his ear. Sort of play continued. And the referee just went to Paulinia and just said, by the way, I saw you doing another foul there. Just, just be mindful of the fact you're on a yellow. I'm watching you. But up to that point... He was the only one actually still up, you know, up for the challenge. The rest of the Fulham team were, were literally sitting back, couldn't string two balls together, very passive, you know. And we were just, like I said at the beginning, very sluggish. But you know, yes, I agree. There was a worry that Pally to keep make sure we don't get a second yellow. But if it wasn't for him, then we could have been two down <laughs> because he yeah. he kept getting talented and, and was winning them pretty much successfully. The challenge. What I still just I don't understand is why did we not take off an injured Harrison Reed? within 10 minutes. He played for 35 minutes with an injury, limping, putting out of tackles, not being able to pass particularly well because of the injury. What was Marcus Silva thinking? I just, I find that puzzling because I thought that played into Wolves' hand because 
we already had a void in midfield before the injury. And then for 45 minutes, you know, to Craig's point, you know, we were toothless in midfield and we were out right. court. But it doesn't help when you've got one who's injured and the manager hasn't substituted him when they're a very adequate replacement on the bench waiting to come on. So, Marco Silva, I'd, I'd like to see your explanations for that, please. Well, what's interesting about this, and Craig, I want to get your thoughts on it because we're going to talk about the substitutions to begin the second half because I'm glad that Emilio is talking about bringing on Lukic later. Could the situation have been because of Harrison Reed maybe to bring him on sooner? Could the match have been changed sooner with Lukic on the pitch? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about this? Do you agree with Emilio's thoughts that maybe Marco got this one wrong and should have taken Harrison Reed off earlier? Well, look, I couldn't see from where I was standing uh, how injured Harrison Reed was and how much effectiveness he may have lost because of the uh, because of the injury that he suffered in the tenth minute. What I would say is, although we improved in the second half, Wolves were generally speaking still pretty comfortable in the ball. We still struggled to break that press, and so we only partially solved the problems that we had in the first half. In the second, we only partially solved them. So I don't know whether it would have made a difference. Okay. Um, I just think we came up against a team that was hungrier, faster, and better than we were in throughout much of the game. And I think that's fair, Craig, and that's what's interesting about this because I'm glad that we got a point. I'm glad that we can talk about Fulham finding a way to get a point. But I started my show yesterday by giving all the credit to Wolves because I thought Wolves played very well and made Fulham look this way, Craig. And it sounds like you're kind of backing me on that with there was no fluidity, Craig. There was no crisp passing. And as Emilio said, Wolves looked like Fulham from months ago. So is that to do with Fulham or is that to do with Wolves? I think you have to give a lot of credit to Wolves, Craig. Yeah, look, yes. Um, I also don't think Fulham played particularly well. We also had a lot of misplaced passes. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that our, our work – I didn't think Robinson or Tete had their best games um, for us. Uh, Decker Doha Reed was, was fairly anonymous. Maybe he didn't get the service. So the players didn't really play especially well. We were slow in moving the ball out from the back. Um, it was a, you know, it's, it's hard to say how much was due to the strength of Wolves or the, the weakness of Fulham, but, you know, there was a decided difference. And that's why I go back to what I said at the outset. This is a good result from a not very good performance. Okay, very good. All right, guys, before we break down this match, let's talk about the starting eleven. Emilio, I'll go to you first. What were your thoughts when you saw the starting 11 an hour before the match? I think we all thought that Mitro wasn't going to play. So mm. I could be wrong. Maybe you thought he might play. But from Marco's presser, I was really feeling that there was highly doubtful that he was going to play. So what did you make of the starting 11? Were you surprised that maybe Manor Solomon didn't start? Yeah, I was speaking to Steve Reynolds. I got to the ground quite early yesterday. So I was speaking to Steve Reynolds on you know, on pitch side, literally while the players were warming up. And, you know, we were talking about the starting 11. To be honest, we were both in it. Salomon has, you know, has done a good job, you know, coming on his cameo appearances, you know, the last few games. And that was probably the only could he have started instead. But I think ultimately he's came on and did a masterclass substitution, you know, goal from, from the bench. But 
to be honest, I wasn't surprised. I, you know, that was that was what I would have expected the starting eleven to be. To be honest with you, I think Mitro. There's a lot being said about, a lot speculated about him, but I know we've missed him. You know, but you know, the game in the last couple of months since his World Cup, he's not been the same player. He's been slow. His confidence is low. He's been carrying a lot for a few months. You know, there have been a lot of games where he's been ineffective, probably more so than Vinicius at times, but he hasn't got the criticism because he's Mitrovic. So it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm maybe being a little bit harsh here, but the guy's not fit. If he's not fit, he shouldn't be playing. You know, as much as he's an important player for us, if he's only playing less than half a level of capacity, you know, we can't be playing that. Against Nottingham Forest, against Bright, you know, these games in the last few weeks, he's not, he's not, he's not been at his top of his game. And, we can't be carrying players. They're not fit. I think we've rushed him in a bit too early, to be honest with you. Okay. Because, you know, at the time we've, we've risked playing him when maybe he should have been rested further. But, you know, I'm hearing all sorts of speculation. Who's saying he's not going to be back until April? Who's saying on, on the chat he's going to be starting against Leeds? But if he wasn't even on the bench yesterday, why risk him against Leeds? You know, that's a, that would be a faux pas as far as I'm concerned. Get him fit and get him to be effective. Otherwise, I think we're taking too... We may end up losing him for the rest of the season. He picks up another knock. So it's the, the coaching team have got an important decision to make in the next few few days and weeks. But he's a big man for us, as we know. But if he's not, right. if a player's not fit, he shouldn't be playing. End of story. Okay, interesting. Over to you, Craig. Your thoughts on the starting eleven and on Emilio's thoughts on Mitro. Look, I agree with what Emilio has to say about Mitro. He has been poor since mm. the World Cup, maybe due to injury. Uh, but for whatever reason, um, he hasn't been able to contribute. What is interesting is that since in the 10 games since the World Cup, I think we've scored 20 points. Only Manchester United, I think, have had more <laughs> points. And so it shows that, um, you know, the, the team is more than just one player. Um, as far as the starting 11 goes, no real surprises. Um, you know, Harry Wilson is not in the starting lineup. Uh, but I think we, I think it's understandable that Decker Dover Reed and William would be the starting wingers. Manor Solomon, you know, there is a question mark as to whether he is match fit to go for 90 minutes after a very long layoff, but he has certainly been a super sub for us, mm-hmm. uh, in the last three games for sure. And, and, uh, you know, it was, it was, I seeing him come off the bench really injected, like, you know, heroin into our veins uh <laughs> metaphorically speaking right okay excellent stuff there and uh the the only question i have was menor solomon i was wondering if he would start him but i understand why he went with bobby decadovery why he went with william i i get all that and uh it's just uh interesting uh to see what happens from this point on because i think it's going to be pretty much the same and what's interesting emilio because when you look at Silva and styles are very different, but I remember a team under Roy Hodgson where he didn't make many changes. Why do I feel mm-hmm. that we have a little bit of that going on with Marco, meaning he wants a subtle team. He's got a subtle team. And unless someone basically beats out another player, someone like Bobby Decker is going to play mm-hmm. in the situation where I think Diop finally beat out Tosin. So mm. once you beat him out, you really have to do something to get out of that lineup. Yeah. Uh, am I on the right path here? Because that's what Roy would do. Yeah. And, you you know, we know that Marcus Silva's can be quite stubborn. Like you said, you know, he, yeah. he, 
you know, we all have our favourites in, in the workplace and you know, football is no different. You know, managers will favour certain players over above others. And you clearly can tell who Marco Silva's favourites are, whether they're performing well or underperforming. So, you know, he's, there's loyalty there. But what we've seen in the last couple of months, and Craig, you can probably agree here, that our style of football has changed. Our brand has somewhat shifted. You know, by the fact that we haven't got Mitrovic there, I think we're playing a little bit more direct, which is maybe not is unlike Marco Silva, but is that enforced? Because we haven't got... I know it sounds contradictory, because if you've got your big man up front, then that's the sort of target man you play. But I'm just saying we're playing a lot more direct football. We're playing less from the back. There were moments we tried to do that yesterday, and we nearly got called out by Wolves with their energy and, and press. So... There were, you know, Reem and, and Diop and the keeper passing the ball, you know, side by side. But we've lost our our beautiful brand of football in, to some extent. I don't know if you agree, Craig. You know, if we turned the clock back three months ago, yeah. we were enjoying free-flowing football, nice one-touch, good movement. We're seeing that less frequently now. And we're mixing it up. And maybe that's intentional that we're trying to mix it up again rather than being predictable because maybe some teams have started to find us out and, and, trying to, and they're trying to exploit, you know, you know, you know when play, teams come up, they play a brand of football and we often see that they get caught out and teams find them out in some of their tactics. And so we're just trying to mix it up a little bit. But again, that's maybe why we're not playing the brand of football and the style of football that we're all, we're all blessed to see for a few months over this year. I well, think um, I think one thing that... Sorry, Russ, I was just mentioning Go ahead, that. Um, Mitrovic often would come, would come deep mm. to add another body into the midfield, especially yeah. when we would be struggling to get the ball out. Um, uh, I mean, he was an outlet in two ways, either for the long ball, but he would also come into the middle and, and sometimes too deep. Um, mm. It was quite clear that Vinicius was not coming in deep and we did seem to be a little bit overwhelmed in the middle of the pitch. Mm. Again, I don't know if it's tactical or not because our setup, which is effectively kind of a 4-3-3, one um, you know, setup with balls that are coming in, crosses coming in. I think that is still the Marco Silva template um you often see for example people like Polina drifting left and trying to cross the ball in um but it does feel like we were a little bit overwhelmed in the middle of the pitch mm. yeah that's a great point i'm glad that you guys are talking about this because while you're saying this i'm thinking about how metro would come deep and we just don't have that right now as that outlet and venetius is certainly not doing that to your point, Emilio, maybe that has forced Marco to change how we're playing. Mm. And we're not playing the ball out from the back as much because we don't have that outlet that maybe we've had in uh, prior games, Emilio. Even like you said, a month ago, yeah, two months ago, it's a different situation right now. And maybe this is the situation, the hand that they're dealt is right now because of the situation with Metro, they can't play maybe the way that mm. they want. So maybe there is more to Fulham having to change how they're playing because Metro is not there. Yeah. Mitro, th that what he offers. Yeah, and we've been a lot more pluckier the last couple of months, haven't we? We're not winning, you know, ex you know, ex you know, particularly well. We have to grind results out like we did against Brighton, undeservedly right. nick a win. But two years ago, we wouldn't have done that. Last night, you've said it earlier. Right. We were a goal down. We wouldn't have got anything from that game two seasons ago, and it's a no way. same thing. So we've been more plucky. There's more resilience, more belief. That comes with you know silver and the confidence from the from the you know from the management team. But you know if that if if those formulas don't actually work, then you can see that things aren't clicking as nicely as we would like. And in a way, we've got the thirty what the thirty nine points. You know we could still push on. And 
to me, me, it feels like a missed opportunity again. It's like, you know, Tottenham at home, <laughs> getting out that game, we or even get a draw, they, they, they won the game undeservedly and pushed on through. They got that three-point advantage on us. Newcastle away should have got at least a point, if not more. They pushed, they got, they pushed on that in that six-pointer. So there'd be moments where we've thrown away these opportunities. The Wolves yesterday, that would have been a game at the start of the season. If you want to stay up in this division, you've got to beat Wolves at home. The fact that we're, we're safe... Metro, you know, in theory, another missed opportunity to get closer to Tottenham and you. I know I'm getting carried away myself, but there's these right. missed opportunities where, if we were playing the way we were three months ago, those three games alone, I think we, you know, Newcastle, Tottenham, and yesterday, instead of getting what one point, we probably would have got four or five. And then you can actually talk. You know what? We are genuinely in a good, you know, European position. So yeah, I'm, maybe I'm being a little bit, you know, optimistic here. But you see when. It's sometimes that fluency has, has gone away, and, and without that, we're not we're being plucky. But if that pluckiness is not there, you know, we end up losing a game or only getting maximum points. So it's um, could be worse. We, we it could, could be, be a lot worse. worse. It could be a lot worse. But sometimes we have a right to be optimistic and say, look, maybe just the wheels have slightly come off, and maybe Mitrovic is young. The fact that he's not fully fit yeah. is the reason why we've lo- with the wheels have slightly come off, and we're not playing the brand of football that we're associated to seeing every week. Right. I'm not just putting it all on him. I'm just saying that I think that's a factor in what's going on here. Craig, I'm going to share this and get your thoughts on what Steve Reynolds shares here. Silver's not switching the wings, which he used to do. We're becoming static and play. What are your thoughts? You're, you're down there. You see that. Do you agree with him on that? Well, Silva switched the wings at halftime because Mm -hmm. William moved to the other side when Manor Solomon came on. But he didn't. You're, but Steve is right. He hasn't been switching in the middle of the game, um, and it does feel like with William on the left, the overlaps don't quite work mm. the same as when he's on the right and can cut in on that left foot. Um, I did think our fullbacks were pegged back quite a yeah. bit, and I think that made it very difficult for us in the wings. Right. And what's interesting, and I'll go right back to you, Craig, because at halftime, and we actually, I want to say, we get great analysis on NBC Sports, and Danny Higginbotham's been fantastic. He's been singing Fulham's praises, but he said that one of the issues Fulham are having is that they don't have these opportunities for overloads in this match. They could not do what they really want to do. Two-on-ones, they want that on the wings. He said that Fulham want to take advantage of teams on the wings with a fullback and then, of course, the winger and create these situations where it's it's 2v1 and they were not able to do this against Wolves. That's a pretty powerful point, and he's right. Um, I can't think of, the, of very many times where we did actually have um, overloads. As I said, I do think yeah. Tete and Robinson were pretty quiet in the match. I think they struggled to get on the ball and struggled to get forward. And maybe having, um, you know, Willian on the left and Bobby DeVarita on the right uh, was an issue because you can't get the overlaps as easily because when they come in, when those when those wingers come in, they're coming in on their, on their weak foot. Right. Um, at halftime, it was switched, and it probably did create a little bit more space, and you could even argue that was probably mm-hmm. what created – the space for, for Manor Solomon's goal. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes, but coming up next, 
Emilio, Craig, and myself, we break down this match. We look at both halves, and then we end with man of the match. If you're watching live, feel free to share. Who was your man of the match? Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Okay, guys, let's get to it. Neil, I'll go to you first. When we look at the first half, we've already been really getting into it. But give me your thoughts on what you watched at Craven Cottage and, and also your thoughts about how Fulham gave up this goal. And uh, you saw it coming, like you said, a few minutes before. They could have scored then. So mm. give me your analysis of what you watched in the first half. Um, yeah, just slow, sluggish. Like we said we've said that we know our fullbacks were pegged back, and I think the, there were a few moments when Robertson was was getting was pushing up. We then I think Greg, you mentioned earlier, we we were very wasteful in in our passing at times in the first half, and that then gave possession back to Wolves, and that's when I think we got caught up with both those chances. You know, the first chance that was that they they missed, good build up. Good, fine passing, but we got caught out in defence. We gave them a bit too much respect, a bit too much space, and Robinson wasn't at the races in that first half. And you know, another day we should have been a goal down. But but the second when they did score, it was effectively as a repeat of that moment a few minutes before. Same, yeah. you know, gave away possession. Robinson was out of position. You know, can't blame Tim Ream. Tim Ream trying to get trying to trying to defend the ball, but ultimately Wolves, you know, deserved that lead. It was coming. They were knocking on the door. You know, we were being pegged back, like we've said. And Robinson at times, just like I said, I think he, that was probably his worst game for, 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 for some time now. I can't remember what Robinson having a poorer game than that. I know he's, he's linked to a lot of big teams at the moment, but hopefully that's not distracting his, uh, his focus on playing the football. But overall, I thought he was he was a bit of a liability in that first half. And But the fact that we, you know, we were trying to push up, getting pegged back, but they were pressing us and we kept losing the ball far too easily. And, you know, to be honest, it wasn't a surprise. As soon as they got that ball... I said to Joe next to me, "That's this is a goal. You can see it. It's yep. just so much space, so much time." And to be honest, it was it was it was a good finish. It was a calm, composed finish. Some something we'd be proud of early in the season. We scored that, but there'll be no there was no qualms. Wolves deserved that lead at that point. You know, without, without saying they should have been two up if anything. But you know, we have to ride our luck sometimes. But I think everything we've described so far was you know contributed to that goal. You know, there was no surprise, but. Just disappointing all round, but it's the, the crowd went a little bit flat after that goal. Right. You know, a lot of fans around me were getting frustrated about Fulham just not not being in, not even going out of first gear. To be honest, poor passing, lethargic, out of position at times. And again, I, I, I think of the Harrison Reed again. You know, we know what he could do. You know what his what his job is, and he couldn't do that effectively. I don't. I still don't understand why Marco Silva, pers, you know, persevered with him. And I think that caused a problem as well. You know, we we're playing with one less man on the pitch, so. When you're playing ten against eleven, you you're you're automatically giving an advantage to your opposition. Okay, very good. All right, 
Over to you, Craig. You've already done a really good job of talking about the first half, but I want to focus on something else. Regardless of how bad Fulham played in the first half, they actually did create a couple of opportunities. The header from Vinicius, not the strongest header, but it was an opportunity. But what happens if Pereira actually scores to end the first half? Could you imagine being a a Wolves player or the supporters if Fulham scored to end the half? That was a legitimate opportunity, Craig, that could have actually really changed the match if they scored to end the first half. Your thoughts? It was a good free kick, but if I recall correctly, it was pretty much in the center of the goal, and you would have expected the goalkeeper to to save it. Um, but sure, if we had scored before halftime, it would have it, it would have uh, definitely given the, the the match a very different feel and different momentum. Um, I think we've discussed Wolves' domination. You know, Emilio said it was felt like 10, 10 on eleven. I felt it was 10 on 12 when you add in the, the referee. Um, but uh, we'll probably – I don't want to get fined by the Premier League for commenting on the refs. I won't leave it aside. Um, we had a couple of chances, uh, yeah. but by and large, uh, uh, they looked more likely to score. Oh, absolutely. You know, their, goal, their goal was actually, I think, a little bit off a of lost possession on our part. So we weren't able to set up. I think when we're able to set up in our block, even in our deep block, we're actually quite difficult to score against because we, we're we pretty solid in the back. We have got a fantastic goalkeeper, and uh, it's very difficult for teams to score against us. Here we're, we were caught on the break a little bit. Reem had to cover two different people, and he got drawn back towards the goal to cover another player. And Sarabia had the space, and he shot right between – Tim Ream's legs, which makes it very difficult for Jay Leno to save. Um, not Jay Leno. <laughs> Burnt Leno to save. Burnt Leno. If we um, had Jay Leno back there, we would have been yeah, in trouble. That's true. That's that, that's a terrible, terrible uh, <laughs> um, um, faux pas. Anyway, so I think we discussed it. It was it was a pretty dominant first half, and we were lucky to go down only to be down only one nil. Okay, and, and I totally agree with that. Yeah. I was going to Go say, looking at some of the comments here, you know, like Colin Bugler saying, you know, blaming Pralini for not tracking back quick enough. That's fair. I think there's there's a point. There's a, yeah, yeah. Reader, he was injured, but I think no one's blaming Tim, Harrison Reed. Yeah, they have, I'm blaming Marco Silva for not making the change. Um, so it's quite fundamental. Why did we play for 35 minutes with a player that was injured and clearly not able to do his job in any way effectively? So... Um, and you know, way more than right, though. Cole, right. He, he, he Palina should have, yeah, should have been tracking back and 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 should have followed uh, Sarabia, yeah, okay. exactly. And how about this comment, Emilio? William had his poorest match this season from Nick Townsend. You could probably argue many players had their poorest game. This one of the you know, I thought Robinson was, as I mentioned earlier, had one of his poorest games in, in memory, but William. To be honest, he was starved of service. Where, where, where was his service? You know, Robert, you know the outlook, his link-up play with Robinson has been very effective this season. When one's ineffective, then the two of them are not partnering each other particularly well. And I thought he lost that Robinson outlet there. And maybe that's tactically Wolves pushing Robinson back. Right. So Wilson, in effect, William, in effect, was literally sitting idle and, you know, really a passenger at times. But there were moments when he got that free kick. You know, it was it. Did he win the free kick for the Andres Pereira? I think it was. I think it was William who won the free kick, uh, half time. So there were moments there, but clearly, 
you know, like you said, I agree with Nick Townsend. Not was, yeah, Wayne Warner. Not everyone. Not every player has a bad, uh, bad game at times. So yeah, so it's you know, well, every player has a bad day. Come on, guys. Yeah, so it's true. Yeah. We can't always play at our best. So I think we've said that, but. You know, you know, Wolves deserve some credit, but maybe I think we made Wolves look better than they actually are. I know that I've given them credit; they deserve, you know, deserve the lead at half time. But I thought at times we made them look better than they actually are, and, that, and that's why we saw that second half. And I know we'll talk about it in a moment. Yep. The second half, we were on the front foot. You look at the statistics, overall statistics. We had more shots on target, more possession, more created, more chances. Hence, my point over ninety over the ninety-eight minutes, I thought a point was a fair result. Okay. Just going to share this uh, comment from Colm Bugler. Mm. Wolves done their homework blocking the ball, getting to William. I, I agree with that, Emilio. Yeah. And I thought they were well prepared and they knew how to basically uh, take away Fulham's, uh, what Fulham wanted to do, Emilio. Yeah, again, it's, you know, the moments when, you know, William had two men around him, you know, so again, he was, he was, he was mocked out of the game. So again, good tactics from Lopetegui, but like I've said, it's uh, we're not going to play well every game. We're grinding out results at times, but you know, on another day, we might have nicked that win win yesterday as well. So again, let's, I'm staying, trying to stay positive here because it's not as doom as gloom as some of the the fans have assessed. The fact that we've come away with a point, not playing particularly well first half. You know, I think on another day, with Mitrovic maybe coming on at the end, maybe he maybe would have scored that from that header again. If he's right. done well, but the keeper had made a great save. So let's let's. Let's reflect also on the positives here. Okay, well, that's going to lead to talk about the second half because there are positives. And, Craig, let's talk about the halftime substitutions to take off Harrison Reed, as we're talking about take off Bobby Decadova Reed, replace them with Menor Solomon and, of course, Sasa Lukic. Now, what's interesting about this, because I want to get your thoughts on Lukic. You were there what was his impact in this match? But what were your thoughts on these substitutions? Were these the right ones to make at halftime? Were you surprised he made these substitutions at halftime? I was a bit surprised because Marco Silva has, generally speaking, been very late in bringing on substitutions. Um, and that, I think, is part of his philosophy. It's quite clear he was unhappy with the way the first half uh, went and he wanted to make changes straight away. I think what was most striking was the change in in wings. So William mm. moving to the other side, and Manor Sol- William moving to to the right, and Manor Solvent uh, moving to the left. Um, you know, Lukic I thought had a decent game. I don't think it was a dominant performance, but I thought it was a solid performance. I still think I think the second half was much more even than the first half. But I still think that there were times when Wolves were fairly comfortable in the ball and troubled us with their press. Okay. And I'm not going to disagree with that, Craig. I'm glad that you're keeping it not just positive, but basically telling it like you saw it. Because I agree with this. I thought Fulham played much better in the second half. But Wolves still looked like they did in the first half or stretches of the second half. But Fulham definitely were better. and I going to say this, more likely to score to end the game. I don't think there's any question about that. I think Wolves ran out of steam, and I think Fulham were more likely to score. But if you yeah. look at the second half, you would agree with that, correct? I would agree with that, although, you know, other than the 
header at the end by Vinicius, I, I struggle to find very many real chances at the end. And even that header, I would need to see the replay. I, I looked to me like a very savable header. It wasn't that he didn't get a, enough pace in the ball. Probably no, he didn't because the cross was because the cross didn't come in at the right pace. Right. Um, right. Yeah, we were a bit more energetic at the end and may arguably more likely to score by the end. But I think, you know, there are times, you know, even in the 90th minute, 92nd minute, 93rd minute, you know, Wolves were still just stroking the ball around. Um, And, um, you know, I I didn't really feel that we were setting the tempo. Okay. And I'm not going to disagree with that. Emil, I want to get your thoughts on what Mm -hmm. Craig just shared because – I'm going to be the first to say you were there too, that form were better in the second half. But if we're just going to be honest here, I think Craig makes a valid point. The fluidity that we've seen, and you've already said this from, say, two months ago, still wasn't there, even with the changes. It it still was not the form that we had seen in months past. But they were much better. Yeah, absolutely. They were much better in that first half, you know, but – you know, we started the first five minutes of that second half. You know, you can see that the players had a kick up the backside. I wasn't surprised to see the double substitutions. You know, you know, we were calling out where we sat that both reads need to come off, one enforced and one tactical. So, um, so it wasn't a surprise to see the, the chain. But to Craig's point, we're we're not used to seeing Marco Silva making early substitutions. And right, you might, like I said, I've said it a few times tonight already. He should have made the Harrison Reed substitution immediately, not carrying him for thirty-five minutes. That might have changed the balance of that play in that, in that first half, and maybe Wolves wouldn't have had as much, having much much time on the ball as they had, to be honest. But Lukic coming on, it's the first time we've seen him for a full 45 minutes. There were Tom Kenny moments in there, just keeping the ball, doing the simple things, passing it to plays. I didn't see him give the ball away too often, which was a positive. He tried to keep the ball moving and keep a bit of movement. That's when we start to see our possession rates going up in the second half because we were holding the ball better. Tim Ream carrying the ball forward. Right. There's a bit more confidence passing between the players. So that's all that confidence sort of perked up. And, you know, Salomon, you know, we, we, we've, we've seen the replay many times. A fantastic goal, you know, cut in what he does best. The overlap from Robinson was great. We drew out the, the opposing defender to give Salomon more space. But, you know, we have to applaud him for a, a great finish. But at that point, I th- we were on the ascendancy. And I thought, actually, we can go on and win this game, to be honest with you. I know... <laughs> I just, I know I'm not, nobody likes Dan James. We know he's only one dimensional, but at times like this game, I thought we needed someone like Dan James. Get behind that defence. That defence was tiring. That midfield was tiring. I know he's only one dimension. What, what is it that uh, Marcus Silva's got against Dan James? Not giving him 10, 20 minutes at the end, stretching defences. Instead of Harry Wilson? Instead of Harry, Harry, Harry Wilson is... You know, we'll never be the player. I don't think we'll ever see the player we saw last season. I think it's he's you know, every time he's come on, he starts a game, goes off after 60 minutes. Come on as a sub, doesn't make much of a difference. Why aren't we trying Dan James? I know okay, you know, we've all we're all critical of him. He's only one dimensional, he's got but he's got one asset that you know, with 20 minutes to go, it's it's worth throwing that asset on the table. You know, he's got the pace, he's you know, he can get free kicks, he can get corners, might get penalties. Okay. Why don't we use him effectively? I don't understand why there's a bit of resistance from Marco Silva to use someone with pace. And, you know, that's some, you know, when your plan A doesn't necessarily work, try something a little bit different, something unpredictable. And, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, somewhat disappointed. We're not trying Dan James just for those 15, 20 minutes and try to, you know, take off Benicius, clearly was ineffective, and try to maybe put someone like Dan James to, just to, to cause a bit of a nuisance in that defence. You know, it's, it's, you know what I'm trying to say? It just feels. Yeah. 
you've got to try something a little bit different. And but clearly, Marco Silva doesn't rate him, and you know, clearly giving him no game time. I think last time he, he played, when did he last play? I can't remember the last time he played now. So, yeah. um, but um, but yeah, overall, I thought Premier League, Harry Wilson, Chris Goodwin saying it's Harry Wilson Premier League quality. Not so far. Not since he's not he's not shown that since his since his injury. I don't think he he has shown that level of quality. He's just very average. To be honest with you, not not influencing any games, um, not contributing anything. So, but clearly he's preferred more than Dan James. So that you know, we have to respect the manager here. Okay, Craig, over to you real quick because I find this topic very interesting. Bringing up Dan James, what are your thoughts about this? Were your thoughts about should Marco have thought about him instead of Harry Wilson, or maybe instead of Vinicius? What do you make of the Dan James experiment? Because we don't see a lot of them. I haven't seen Dan James do anything to justify bringing him on the pitch. It doesn't, I mean, uh, I mean, Harry, Harry Wilson had one moment where he was coming down the right side and he actually, if he were a bit more confident, he probably could have taken on goal instead. He tried to cut it back onto his left foot and, uh, and he gave the Wolves defense time to regroup. Um, and that, so I didn't think that he had much of an impact. Uh, either I don't know whether Dan James would have made a difference. Clearly, the player who did make a difference was Manor Solomon. Yep. Not just in the goal that he scored, but also the threat that he seemed to carry every time he touched the ball. Every, every time, time. He the ball, you mm. felt like something could happen. Every time, um, I agree, Craig. And and you could sense that Wolves were nervous and that it was affecting the way they were playing. And that creates openings and opportunities elsewhere. His ball, his his pace and his ball control are excellent, and they were actually at some points having to double uh, Solomon, uh, which is always a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I I, uh, I I I think we were better in the second half. We showed more promise. I did think we were more likely to score, but I think we have to reflect in this game why. You know, when you study the t- the film, why we couldn't break down the press and get forward, um, and if we can't figure that out, we're going to have trouble when we come up against some of the stronger teams in the division. Okay, and it, like I said, it's a fair point. I'm glad that you're talking about this because that's what we do here on Cottage Talk. We do have to wrap up the show sure. soon, but I do want to get your thoughts, Craig, on Menor Solomon's goal. I'm sure you had a good view of this. So uh, talk us through what you saw here. It's beautiful. I mean, he just cut inside. He had a little bit of space, and he curled it in. Um, could the keeper have defended it? It would have been an incredible save by the keeper. I thought it was just a you – know, he has scored three goals in the last three games, all of them really well taken, two with his right foot, one with his left. He's a clinical finisher. And he has pace and confidence. Um, so, and he seems, you know, you, when you see him after the game in the interviews, he seems just to be buoyant and excited about his football. So it's a, it's a great story, is, you know, having played in Ukraine uh, last season and gone through all of that and through all of the injuries that he's been through. So it's, it's a real success story for, uh, for, for him. And I have friends in Israel, and they are all following Fulham. <laughs> I've been told that too, my friend. All right, Emilio, back over to you. I know you had some uh, 
thoughts yeah. you wanted to get to some talking points yeah i think obviously the salmon point i've got you know we got where i were we got an office in israel i was in, I was in there in in israel back in december and then we, a lot of the, my colleagues were talking about man solomon and excited about his return back to the, to football work from his injury but uh yeah there were in that second half there there were moments from him so he wasn't playing 45 minutes being a threat now what we've seen from solomon is when he's on the ball we look lively but when he's when he hasn't got possession what else does he offer i'm, I'm not being critical i'm just trying to get a different perspective here you know he was in and out of that game second half that when he great goal fantastic and he scored three goals but there were moments when he's not got the ball what's his role a bit like william because william is we've been critical of william being ineffective right. when he hasn't got what was man of solomon's role when for maybe for large parts of that second half we didn't he didn't get much of the ball he was you know he's not the biggest person in the world let's be let's be clear so if things run smoothly he gets a ball he, he gets a sniff of gold you know what he, we know what he can do but i'm just thinking his overall contribution probably needs to improve you know again if you want to play for 90 minutes you're not going to be only be looking to make an you know create something you know from the wing cut in create chances you've got to offer more to the team and and then my second point is, is and we haven't mentioned Pereira. Yes. Let's, let's, what you know, Pereira at times I thought didn't contribute enough in the midfield. You know, that's first half in particular when we're one man down with Harrison Reed, Palinho on a yellow card. Where was Pereira? Pereira's got to add more support there. He's got to protect that defence, that central midfield more than he did. And and again, I thought he had a fairly average game to be honest. Either, but we've not mentioned him tonight. But you know, I need to, we need to see Andres Pereira also cover more track back more often when the chips are down rather than causing that threat from set pieces which we know he's very very good at so it's that's something else like i said we've not mentioned tonight but you know i'm slightly critical of Pereira's lack of protection that's in that midfield when when the chips were down in that first half in particular oh it's a fair point emilio i'm glad that you brought that up and also i'm glad that you shared your thoughts on Menor solomon as well guys we do have to wrap this up so quickly we're going to go to man of the match craig who's your man of the match Manor Solomon, goal okay. scorer, injected and excitement into the game. And Emilio, I disagree with you a little bit. I think even mm. off the ball, he was mm. a menace and Wolves were keeping an eye on him. Okay. Mm. Over to you, Emilio, man of the match. Uh, it's been, been two minds of this. Clearly, you'd think you know, the, the man of Solomon would deserve a man of the match. Great goal, but... I'm going to give him slightly just above Tim Ream. I thought Tim Ream again had a very good game, led from the back, covered tracks, you know, covered our asses as well. You know, excuse my French. And I thought he led, he led, he led the Fulham team. He's been an inspiration this season. It's hard not to see Tim Ream being man of the match as well because of his overall economy. He looked very, he looked very assertive. You know, the experienced professional he is. And without him this season, we certainly wouldn't have, we wouldn't have 38, 39 points. Put it that way. So okay. I'll give Salomon on the basis that he scored the great goal and to grace where he injected some pace, but I didn't see that enough of that for 45 minutes in that second half. It was moments here, moments there. And but Wolves did well to 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 give him limited time and space on the ball, which something he needs to work on. Maybe he's not 100 percent fit yet, but which is why he's not starting the games in the Premier League. There's probably a reason for that. Okay. Emilio, I'm going with Tim Ream. I said this on full time. Mm -hmm. I'm not changing my mind on it. Yeah. For me, I think Tim Ream can play next season. I, I do. Mm -hmm. I think that his nose for the game, his cerebral play affects everything Fulham do now. And I think that 
I think he can cover up with a lack of pace with everything else he does. Tim Ream, my man mm-hmm. of the match. I'm, I'm going to just back that up. And I never thought I would ever be calling Tim Ream for man of the match this season, but he was my man of the match. I'm just going to share quickly some other comments. Chris Kuhn, man of the match. Menor Solomon was brought on at halftime and was the game changer for Fulham and deserved the goal. Wayne Waldman says Diop, man of the match, an interesting one. And then Nick Townsend says Ream had a touch of Bobby Moore about him. He's been that good. Very interesting. Great take there, Nick. Okay, great show, guys. I do want to wrap it up. Craig, as always, thank you for doing the show, my friend. Thank you, Russ. Thank you, Emilio. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Emilio, the foam shadow has returned. Yeah. No foam yeah. mode. I'm sorry, no shadow mode. There's a goal. No shadow boy. mode. No shadow mode. But, yeah, it's good to be on the show with Craig. We always have a very balanced, very healthy conversation. So I always enjoy it with Craig on the show. But, uh, yeah, look, another point on the board. Lots to look forward to. We've got an FA Cup game on Tuesday night. I hope we play our strongest team because I want to, I want the cup run. We all want to go to Wembley. So uh, I know Leeds won today, but yep. you know that's you know that's a winnable game on, on Tuesday night. So uh, let's get the let's get the win and get a favourable draw in, in the quarterfinals because we, we all want to go to Wembley. And Russ, you're going to come over and, and watch <laughs> us at Wembley. Uh, I don't know, Emilio. I would love to go. Let's just leave it at that. Of course, I would love to go. We'll see. We'll see, my friend. I know I have a place to stay. I'm yeah, sure I absolutely. Have a place to stay. Plenty of room here. <laughs> you, you were, you were great to me the last time. I'll just leave it at that. I was. I had a great time staying with you the last time, Emilio. All right. Enough talking about my time with Emilio. It's time <laughs> to wrap up the show. Before we go. Always subscribe to YouTube and Apple Podcasts. It does help other phone supporters find us. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Cars Talk. For Craig Coben and Emil Donnell and Russ Goldman, thank you as always for watching and listening to Cars Talk, now part of the TalkSport Fan Network. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.